Welcome to the Georgia Songbirds podcast, brought to you by Anchor FM, Yes Ma'am Music, and we are live here at the gazebo, aka the bird's nest, that's what I call it, with Mr. Thomas Fountain. Thank you for having me. Introduce yourself, Thomas. Uh, my name is Thomas Fountain, singer-songwriter from uh, Jasper, Georgia, and uh, we're up here on the mountain today, looks like. It's beautiful up here. I appreciate it. Yeah, you got you come in the wintertime, there's no leaves, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little chilly. I don't have like air conditioning or heat or anything, so yeah, well, that's all right. You get the full spectrum up here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't, I don't have to tell people there's a graveyard right there because it freaks them out. Yeah, so I was like, okay, I'll wait till they get here, then they're already here, so they can't <laughs> right, say no. Right <laughs> now, I've never met you, but I have seen, uh, do you have like a barn or something on like 53 with your name attached to it? A I barn? To, yeah, a barn or an old building. When I used to work for uh, DirecTV, and I used to work, run up and down Jasper. Now, my uh, my family lives out there, so there's no telling who's got the name on the barn out that way. That's what it's got to be. The Hill City be. area is where I grew up. Okay. So anywhere out 53, that's my, my yep. dad's side of the family up, out then there. They, they so. got a big old barn out there. With oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. That's funny. <laughs> so tell everybody how you got started, Thomas. Uh, I started writing songs in um, college. I got started with music, what I would consider really late mm -hmm. in life. I uh, had a buddy that played guitar, and uh, college, we just kind of started, you know, fooling around and um, learning some songs, and then I started writing songs. I've always loved to write okay. in general. So I just kind of translated that over to songwriting, <clears throat> and... Uh, Got hired on for a little acoustic show in Jasper many moons ago, and uh, I guess they liked it, and then wanted to hire us as a band, and I didn't have one, uh, so I went out and started searching and put a band together, and things just kind of uh, escalated from there. Um, took a break from music. I never, after that, after I developed my first band, um, it was just a cover band at okay. the time, and... That's really where I learned everything about music, uh, playing in a group, uh, playing with a band, okay. um, play with, luckily, some really seasoned musicians at the time. Um, so I still say that everything I know musically goes back to them. Um, and then after that, I took a year or two off from music, came back, and decided I wanted to start recording my own songs. So started writing songs again. And uh, that's about the time I put out my first EP uh, around 2014. So okay. just released another one, um, released some singles in between uh, first EP and the second one, but got brand new music. And that's kind of the backstory to it all in a nutshell. time I had a choice, I made the wrong one. Now I was looking for answers on my own. I had an angel on my shoulder, a devil in my ear, yelling, telling me where to go. Alarms, but I don't hear a thing. 
It's hard to hear a pin drop when the music's They got the beat pumping so loud That you can't even point out the rhythm of your own heart That's where it starts Sometimes it's like thunder Now the everybody's going digital now. Do you find it easier to do it like singles, releasing the singles, or releasing it as an EP? Or well, this one is we did it differently. We're trying to stay kind of ahead of the game. Um, people's attention span are so, is so short now. Um, if you release an EP at once, our thought process was, uh, you know, people are going to listen to that EP probably three or four weeks, mm -hmm. and then it's going to be done. Um, so we released the EP all at once on a CD and then digitally we are releasing the songs once a month, once a month. So, uh, another five or six, uh, months, the whole thing will be released and then you can download the whole thing. Okay. Um, we're building content around each song, some music videos. So it's a better way to, uh, really amp the song up and uh, get people excited about it. Who do so. you use for your music videos? Uh, use a couple different people. Uh, the last music video we did, we actually did with Miles. Miles' okay. crew that he works with, Session Street Productions. We 
Um, we all flew out to Wyoming, shot a music video out there. Um, but I've used a couple different people. I use uh, another guy named Eric Hernandez in Ackworth area, which is really good. He's kind of moved on to bigger and better things, and I can't afford him anymore. But um, basically those two guys, I try to keep everything local yeah. with my photography and, and videography as I can. So. Okay. Well, that's yeah. Cause I, I, Miles was on here um, when this releases. Miles is already out. Yeah. So uh, I, that's the first time I met Miles was actually at uh, Oak House. Yeah. They had like a songwriter sessions and he was playing and he came on and he was talking and he said something about your name. I was like, I've heard that name. And then uh, there was a lady um, and I happened to see that. I guess they're both playing. You're playing on the fourth of January mm -hmm. at um. Eddie's, Eddie's, Eddie's Thank you. I've seen so many mm -hmm. places. I can't remember. My brain just goes one way. <laughs> Mine too. Her, uh, Angeline Carter. Yep. Uh, so me and her have tried to hook up to get her onto the podcast as well. Mm -hmm. And I just, I'm so busy. I've yeah. got stuff doing too. And she is too. And I was like, well, you know what? Let me see if I'll reach out to Thomas and see if he'll yeah. come on too. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Miles is a good friend of mine. Miles, um, I'd say in the, the whole music realm, He's probably the the closest friend that I've had over the years. Uh, he used to play bass for me. That's what he said. He was played bass for. Me. And uh, now uh, he's a rhythm player yeah. and a harmony singer. Um, he stepped away from music for a little while, and uh, of course, I had to, I hired another bassist during that time, and he's been great. Steve Singleton, probably the most committed. He is the most committed pl player I've ever had. Um, so I couldn't get rid of him to bring Miles back. So I found a way to make it work, put them both in the band. <laughs> and then urged Miles kind of do his own thing. So yeah. he's out writing songs, and I'm, you know, trying to help him out. Um, proud of him. He's a great songwriter and a heck of a vocalist. Yeah. So um, That's what I like that's, about the songwriting community, too, is, is you're – most people will help each other. Yeah. You know, there's a few that don't want to, and I don't understand that. I don't either. It's uh, it's It gets even worse once you get to the artist level. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's an eye. And I've never understood because it only helps both of you. Right. Really, in the end. Um, even if you don't particularly, maybe even get along with that person. If you can go out and, I mean, at the end of the day, we're both trying to grow. Right. You know, so if you go out and you support other people and support their music, um, it's only going to help both of you. Right. So. I guess I was lucky when I did a, because um, like I said, I've been writing songs for, how old am I, I'm 42, so 20-something years I've been writing, and I know I look back, most of my songs earlier were like crap, so I did yep. like, like a uh, a workshop with, I said Keith, Keith Burns from Trick Pony, mm -hmm. uh, Steve Dean, uh, Karen Staley, and uh, Mark Oliveris, and they, they happen to be so nice, but I mean, I do know that there's people out there right. that are just, I don't know what it is, it's just they're attitude i mean you, yeah. you gotta get ego I, like i said my band i was telling you i was in a band too i used to sing but people don't hear me sing for yeah. three hours <laughs> so i was like okay i'll just write and you guys sing and yeah. you know i'll sing the ones that you can't but i don't i never understood what they're afraid of to let to help other people mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm glad that you helped them out yeah it uh i guess it's a point where uh there's some jealousy there involved and people don't want someone else to grow i guess more than them i don't know i've never really understood it because yeah. i'm and my my thought process is if you're kind of doing your own thing and doing it the way that you want to do it, well, it's going to happen or it's not going to happen. Right. You know, so, yeah, it's a cutthroat world out there right now, which it's probably always been like that. Yeah, it's a bit. People don't understand it's a business. It you is know? a business. It is a business. You just got to, you got to treat it more. I mean, you got to understand people are people. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you're, you've actually played with, I was reading some of your bio stuff. So you play with actually some big stars. 
So you've got a like few, Chris yeah. Stapleton has yeah. been on yeah. it, but you're starting your own, and now you're headlining stuff, too. Yeah, finally. So, finally. Yeah. How yeah. long did it take you? Just a couple of years, right? Uh, yeah, it took uh, probably three or four years to uh, – I'm telling you, the – you know, you look once you think that you're not doing that much and mm-hmm. your success isn't going the way that you thought it would. You can look back and you you can immediately realize that it has it has progressed. Right. You know, when you say stuff like that and the the people I've got a chance to to play shows with, and then stepping into the realm of uh, hard ticketed shows, you know, where it's not just we're getting hired to play at a bar for three hours. It's right. I'm playing my all of my songs for 90 minutes, and people are paying whatever to come see us. That's to me, um, that's my most proudest moment right. as a musician. Um, so that's kind of where we're at now, and we're gradually um, branching out from the Atlanta and Georgia area and doing hard ticketed shows, you know, in the surrounding states. Okay. So um, trying to get that reach out a little more and more. Um, but yeah, it's been a kind of a roller coaster. It always seems like it is, but, um, yeah, we, we've got the chance to, uh, like you said, Chris Stapleton, that's been, I like to say that's kind of before Chris Stapleton was Chris, the the Chris (laughs) Chris Stapleton Stapleton now. (laughs) Um, but I had been following him for, for so long. And you mentioned the show at, at Eddie's Attic I have coming up this weekend. I guess the first time I saw him was there. Okay. And, I mean, there was, like, 75 people there. And it was the most powerful thing that I had ever witnessed at the time. Vocally, I had never heard anybody like that. And to hear him in a small room um, was was just amazing. And I was just looking around with 75 people there, and I'm like, these people people know what they're listening to. Mm -hmm. But then you start to uh, question people's judge of talent. You know, because this guy should be a mega superstar. Right. And uh, it wasn't long after that, you know, he did the Grammy thing with Justin Timberlake, and he blew up, and the rest mm-hmm. is history. Um, but, yeah, we've played a show with him, Charlie Daniels, um, Trace Atkins, Joe Diff. You know some, a lot of the 90s guys. Right. And a couple of the newer guys. But 90s country is more of our realm, so we, f- we fit in better with those that's what you like to play in is like kind of the 90s stuff yeah that's what i grew up listening to and i always find myself going back to that stuff um it's not necessarily what i'm listening to these days i'm a i'm a big singer songwriter i love stapleton i love that he does uh things kind of his own way not that he's just so great but i mean he were literally will go from a bluegrass album to a a rock album to a roots country yep but it's all musical, you know, and it's all real honest written songs. So I love stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Jason Isbell, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of songwriters like that. Love that stuff. Yeah. So that's kind of my listening pleasure right now. Um, but we're trying to take what I do as a songwriter and put it into a live show and kind of mix those two things. So that's where we're at now. Now, because you're more of the artist too, but do you find that it's more fun for you to, to write the song or to perform the song? I get asked that a lot. Um, and it's crazy because as a songwriter, it doesn't really translate at all <laughs> to who I am as a performer. Right. Um, because, I mean, 
I am like the sad country song <laughs> writer. Like I can write them all day long. That's uh-huh. my that's my lane. And uh, when I get on stage, you know, when the full band cranks up, I, I'm ready to go. Though I'm ready to entertain at that time. It's yeah. kind of hard to do that when all I've written, you know, is is sad country songs. Yep. So um, I've had to really stretch out my my writing to fit our style of live shows. Okay. And then uh, what I've been doing the last year or so is I'll have the band step off and I'll just perform some of my songs that I've written acoustically, some of the the sadder ones. But, um, yeah, it's it's made me grow as an artist, made me grow as a songwriter. Um, Because, I mean, that's what I guess writers feel comfortable writing certain things. I don't know. Um, I think it's because for me, when I write, write, it's easier for me to play it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> that's yeah. why I always tell people co-write too because yeah. people will pick up where because I mean I'm like I've been writing for a long time but I haven't been playing that long not good anyway yeah so I think that's kind of where I try to tell people the same thing it's good advice that you're giving is yeah you're performing you're entertaining yeah it's great to write a, a sad song to get your feelings out mm-hmm. it, it works I mean it's it's, a, it's therapy but when you're on stage. You don't want to. You don't want to depress everybody right. for ninety minutes. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and I've gotten into the co-writing thing the last couple of years, um, and you kind of learn a lot that way too. Um, I've left feeling actually more confident about my songwriting, and then um, I've left feeling like you know I got a ways to go. Right. You know, uh, and I've got a couple people that I'm kind of partial to as far as writing goes, and they're all those few people that I really try to set up right with every year, mm-hmm. they're all better musicians than me. And I do that on purpose, right. you know, because I want them to bring the music side of it. And I can really bring the, the lyrical side of it. So it's worked out pretty well. Um, I, I think this last EP is, um, head and shoulders better than my first one. Um, for that reason. And, you know, it's got a couple of, of, better writers on it and uh had a hand in the production side of it so took the time on this one and kind of put the music out this time that i wanted to so pretty proud of it okay and what was it what's it called what's it called? it's called uh, I, uh mountain climber mountain i was climber. thinking of the but okay. um yeah that's the title track of the ep um that song is about to be released here in the next couple of weeks that's okay. the music video we shot out in wyoming okay. with miles and his guys um so the music video will follow, and I uh, wrote that song uh, probably about three years ago. So I've had a couple of these songs tracked for a while, and uh, then I recorded three three new ones. There's three songs on there, two songs on there. There's six songs total, two songs I didn't write at all, Okay, um, which was the first two. But um, tracked those a couple months ago and put those on the EP, and now it's... It's ready to go, so. You thought you hit my heart But I seem to get away From a girl with a flashy shot You and just shoot and blame I gave you one hell of a ride I was just another driver On that broken 
rock and roll that you call life One day you wanted it And now you're thumbing through the wind For the next guy in town Some say I dodged the bullet From a girl with a loaded gun I was just another target but it's hard to shoot on the run You thought you hit my heart But I seem to get away From a girl with a flashy shot You were just shooting blanks Locked and loaded, take your aim Cock it back and let it go Stand back Take your rounds, cause it's all one big show. Well, some say I dodged a bullet from a girl with a loaded gun. I was just another target. Well, it's hard to shoot on the run. You thought you hit my heart, but I seem to get away from a girl with a flashy shot. You and just shooting. Where do you take your, I mean, you do it different places. Where do you record your stuff at? I record at uh, the Ruckus Room in Nashville. Okay. I tried a different route this time, uh, the first time, and I tried to record to tape. I wanted to do a vinyl album. Uh -huh. I had my heart set on a vinyl album, full album, and it just didn't, long story short, it didn't work out. Um, lost a lot of money. And uh, from what I've learned, it's, you know, it's a different process recording to tape. You have to have some people in there that, as, as far as the engineering side that really know what they're okay. doing. Um, and I got the, you know, the finished product. We were moving in that direction. I just wasn't satisfied. Okay. And it being my second EP and, you know, putting my heart into these songs, 
more so than I did the first one. I was just like, I just, I'm not going to release that to people. I'm just not going to do it. So I took a big hit uh, financially, and I went back to what I knew, went back to the ruckus room and tracked all the six songs again, started over. So um, same same six songs, new studio, and it, it was a night and day. Night and so, day. Yep. Yeah, and I know. Do you are you like one of those kind of artists that are really picky about when you're recording? Like you got to do the takes perfectly every single time, or uh, go back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would like to say no, um, but yeah. I mean, when you get up in uh, when you're in a, a studio like that in Nashville, and you have a list players, you, yeah, I just let them do their thing. You know, oh, yeah. that's they they do that every day and they've done that for the biggest names that have ever came through that town which is crazy you can have the same guys record on your album that just walked out of a alan jackson session Mm -hmm. you know um so you just kind of let them do their thing they want you to come in there with a a guitar and a vocal and that's it and then it's amazing what they can do in just three or four hours um so basically what you hear on a recording like my songs is them playing it one maybe two times all the way through and that's it it's perfect you know yeah. it's it's nashville <laughs> it's nashville and uh this the musicianship up there in the studios it's it's unbelievable yeah, when but i, was, I have uh, taken a couple songs in there like fully demoed okay. when i knew a song uh i wanted it to sound a, totally a certain way certain way so yeah, I was 19 when the first time I ever had the Nashville experience. So mm-hmm. I took, I went up there for some songwriting award show I was going to, and there naive I was at 19 years old. I get up there and uh, Larry Beard. I don't even know if he's still around. He uh, he was if he was doing live anymore. He produced a song for me. I couldn't play guitar at that time. I'd wrote it and I so I gave it to him and then I had to go to the award show. I came back and they were done, and so I took it to a guy named Alan Reynolds and I had no idea who he was. Oh yeah, and then. But he actually listened to my stuff. He was very, I mean, I did like cold call on like five or six different people. He said, yeah, come on in. So I get in and I talk to him. I show him my stuff. And he's like, yeah, he said, you, you got something there, but you need to work on it. So I said, and he gave me all these books and stuff that I should, I should follow. Mm-hmm. And then life took a turn and I didn't think about it. And then somebody told me, do you know, realize who you were talking to? Yep. And I was like, no, I was 19 years old. Uh, look at Garth Brooks. Right. I was like, oh, damn. Yep. <laughs> That's him. Now, now you know I'm I'm 42 years old, so I I kind of blew that. But that was I like songwriting because it doesn't matter how old you are. Mm-hmm. But that's the story of taking to Nashville, and like yeah. you said, they one take they were done. Yeah, I went back two hours later. They're finished. They were already. They probably did it in 20 minutes. Yeah, and took off. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I mean they'll they'll do that. You know, two to three times a day. You know, yep. the blocks up there three hours, um, and then they'll play a session and then go to another studio and do another one or do two in the same day at the same studio. Oh yeah. Um, so those guys aren't really hurting for money. No. <laughs> um, I mean, they're, they're not making to me it, as much as they should because mm-hmm. you know, they're with the union, but, uh, you know, if they're doing two or three sessions a day, they're doing okay. Yeah. And they're probably going out on the road somewhere on the weekend. I know somebody. most of them yeah. are, are, are just killer musicians. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I couldn't even try. I wouldn't even try. I, when I go in now, I go to the studio, I, I take it, and I just back away. I was like, here you yep. go. You know, I'm not going to play on it unless it's with a band, you know, my band playing it, but I'll just back away. It's like, right. what can we do? Yep. So, yep. so tell everybody about your songwriting process because you're actually, uh, you're with a publisher, right? Not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. Um, 
my own publisher. Your own publisher. Um, so get more rights that way, get more credits that way, and, you know, I'm learning as I'm getting more involved in the business side of it. There's a lot of it um, that I learned on my own, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't say that I'm good at it, but I'm good enough at it to do it myself rather than, you know, have to hire somebody else or or trust somebody else. Right. You know, I'm that yeah. I'm that person. Like, if I'll just do it myself, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I'm at now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't even know what you were going to ask me <laughs> leading up to that. But, no, not with a publisher anymore. I was with an independent publisher there for a couple of years and uh, got out of that, thankfully. Right. But. Now, do you, for the songwriters that are starting out or coming up, do you suggest that they go through a publisher? Uh, I know every every person's different. No, but. no, I would say, you know, 10, 15 years ago, absolutely. But mm-hmm. the aggregators that are out there online, you can just set up and be your own publisher. You know, the only thing it does is, um, unless you're, you know, you're with, if you're looking to really make a splash as a songwriter in Nashville, you're going to have to get with a publisher so they yeah. can go pitch your songs to people. Because you're not just going to walk in anywhere anymore and just say, hey, here's my song, Alan Jackson's manager. Would you cut my song? <laughs> it doesn't work like that anymore. Um, but if you're just looking, you know, to uh, write songs, record them, put them out there yourself, and have your your butt covered, and and uh, you can do your own publishing now. So, Do you use, like, a song plug or anything like that for your stuff? Uh, No, not really. I, when I write songs, I think about recording them for myself you know so i've written some songs with some other people have no idea where they ended up (laughs) um but it's really hard for me to i don't know it's it's hard to write a song for anybody other than myself right now and i say that i wouldn't um but if i'm really putting you know my thoughts and my heart into a song of course it's going to be personal right so that's me as a songwriter but you know this i mean i've written songs that and that's just where my quirky mind goes that i feel like the best songs that i have written have absolutely nothing to do with my life they're just stories i made up (laughs) you know so you never know and that's what people ask all the time as songwriters is, well, why are you writing something so sad? My wife asks me all the time. She hears it. I play a song, and, you know, you play it and practice it a hundred yeah. times. Why are you so sad? I'm like, I'm not sad. It had nothing to do with me. Right. I'm just, this is just what I hear right now. Right. It's easier to play a sad song, like I said, than, right. than a fast song. Yeah. So I, I learned to do it that way as well, too. I mean, it's tough to, uh, for me, from a musical standpoint, uh, you know, I'm hearing drums and guitar and a, and a band. It's easy for me to jump in and you know play something fast and upbeat. When you're sitting down just raw with yeah. an acoustic guitar, it to me it's tough it to is. write a big, fast, upbeat, whatever song. That so, don't turn funny. No, right, right, yeah. right. So it um, but I mean I'm getting better because you got to learn to start hearing stuff that would be played during the song or that's kind of where yeah. my mind goes when I want to write a fast upbeat song. You know, it's always, well, I hear this little guitar like at the beginning or, or whatever, this little drum intro coming in or whatever, you know, anything to get the song up and, 
get people's feet moving. Yeah. But yeah, it can be tough for sure. That's that's some good advice for people. I, I tell them all the time, you gotta make it quick. Gotta make it make, make them dance. My my aunt when she was alive, uh, went dancing all the time because she couldn't dance no more. She was like eighty when she stopped dancing. But uh, same thing. She wanted to hear a fast upbeat. Mm-hmm. The way I grew up is my grandfather used to play guitar. And people that listen to podcasts have heard this, but I don't think you have, so I'm going to tell you. Okay. So uh, he used to play on, we play on a boat. He'd take a screwdriver and slide down the guitar. That's yeah. how he played. He could do it. I still can't slide anything, but he would take his, his uh, screwdriver and just slide up and down the neck of the guitar, playing all these old gospel tunes, playing whatever he wanted to play. He tried to teach me Wildwood Flower. I can't, yeah. I cannot to this day play it like he played that yeah. song. But they were always dancing. You know, mm-hmm. even if it was a church hymn, it was upbeat, it was fast, and they were just moving, having a good time. Mm-hmm. So you got to do that for people, especially like for yourself, because you, you're on stage 90 minutes entertaining with your song, which is where every songwriter, singer-songwriter wants to be. Right. They want that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Because I learned when I first started, I, I just, doing a band, I was horrible at time. I could yeah. not keep time to save my life because I couldn't hear it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just writing it out, and then when I get the drum beats, oh, I need to speed that up. Yeah. I can do that. But before, it's like, oh, man, what, what the hell am I going? Okay, this is not how it's supposed to sound. Yeah, yeah. and that's one thing, uh, going back to um, to my first band, they were they would tell me, you know, Thomas, every time they would say, if you get off time, we're going to hit you upside the head. <laughs> and I said, all right, just tell me what to do. And they were just like, every time he, you know, he's coming down on that snare, you're, you're going down on a strum. And you're just like a clock, your hands with that snare drum the whole time. So they sent me home with a metronome and they would dial it in the the tempo of the song and then send me home with the with the metronome and I would just sit there and play with the boring metronome. For, I can't play with that. That irritates the shit it, out of and, me. And it did. It would. I don't I mean I don't do it anymore because thank God I've gotten better. But <laughs> um, yeah, that was some solid advice. So it helped me tremendously as a rhythm player okay. to actually be a contributor in the band instead of just you know an artist that just sings a song so yeah. i feel like that most of the time i am a contributor as a you know a guitar player in the band so which makes you feel more connected yeah. on stage to the band i have a lot of people ask me you know what's your favorite part about you know being on stage is it connection with the fans or is it entertaining and there's always something special about connecting with the fans but my favorite part is connecting with the band okay. and i've had people you know tell me that this looks like you guys are having so much fun and you're loving what you're doing it's because we are yeah you know um if you practice on i mean it's just like anything else if you practice you rehearse uh your band's tight and everybody's kind of feeding off each other the crowd's gonna feel that they're gonna see that yeah so how often do you guys get a rehearse now uh it depends on the show i've been doing a lot of acoustic stuff lately okay um because just because i've missed doing that um, but you know, if we've got a big show coming up, we'll try to get in two. Um, but they may be three, four hours long. Yeah. Um, so we'll try to usually run through half the set, one rehearsal and then another rehearsal, run through another half the set. And then, um, at the end of that second rehearsal, we'll just run the show. We'll just yeah. play it straight through. If you mess up, well, good luck, you know, cause <laughs> It'd be like a real show. You can't just stop. stop. And say, yeah. Let, let's go back and do that again. I had to. T- so, I had to teach that to my singer. Stop stopping. Right. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. You go. If you mess up most times, they're probably not going to know it. Anyway. They don't. They don't. So, but you if you're going. a singer now, they they notice that more than anything <laughs> else. But, um, forgetting words or 
parts or yeah they'll notice that but yeah like you said most of the time it's a band if it's a good band yeah they're not going they're not going to notice now you talked about forgetting how often do you still do you forget the words to your songs <sighs> i don't want to jinx myself <laughs> um but i really don't i for some reason knock on wood, right yeah knock on wood for some reason i can i'm really good at remembering words okay um I was like that as a kid. I remember my parents, you know, when I was sitting in a car singing along to songs or, you know, the radio or whatever, they were amazed that I could, as a kid, remember these words. I have no idea where that comes from because I can't remember anything. People's names, I can meet people, you know, five yeah. minutes later, I'm, I'm sorry, what was your name again, you know? But uh, as far as, like, words, song lyrics, I'm I'm pretty good, especially my own songs. Okay. Um See, I'm the complete opposite. I don't, I don't know why. I guess because I write so many at the same time. Yeah. That they just kind of start bleeding into each other. Yeah. And I just forget, or maybe I have a horrible memory. It may be. <laughs> I mean, people don't realize that once we, once I put a song out or anybody, I've probably already heard that song five thousand times. Yeah. Before anybody has heard that song, oh, you yeah. know, I've heard it so many times coming out of the studio, made so many, you know, edits and adjustments and sang it 50 times before it's recorded you know or whatever um so it's just like it's just second nature yeah on stage for me anyway so yeah i i, I like to try to say i could remember but yeah i know my when i was five my sister knocked me out with a, a metal cable i think it was the first of many times i got knocked <laughs> out so that's probably why one yeah. reason i can't remember and then I'm uh, also I'm like deaf in one ear. I'm not really deaf, but I had my eardrum busted, mm -hmm. so I'm like hard to hear. So I just kind of like well, maybe I'll, I'll I'll remember it and I'll play it. Now, luckily I can hide it because I'll just kind of like do a little solo or something over it mm -hmm. real quick yeah. and put it back. But I know everybody I talk to has the same problem, um, and I guess that's why the next step would be with Mr. Thomas Fountain is is not forget your words. Yeah. You can go up there and sing 90, 90 minutes of your own stuff. Yeah. I always found that was, was hard to – and forget covers. I mean, covers, forget it. Do you do covers anymore at all? I do. Um, do you got a favorite cover that you do? Or one that maybe somebody wouldn't think that you would cover? Uh, Haggard songs are always my favorite to cover just because okay. he's my favorite. He's my all-time favorite country singer-songwriter. Okay. So anything Haggard is going to be my favorite. Any of that um, that almost two-step, um, hi-hat, snare, shuffle sound that came from the 70s that he really put into popularity. I love that stuff because it's so fun to play on stage. It's, you know, it's two-step music. And uh love, love, love playing that for some reason. Um, just because you don't really hear it anymore. It's And it's so musical. It's so tasty. Um, there's just such a good big pocket there. And uh, so I always tell people, I hope as long as I play that you can always hear a Haggard song when you come to my show. So I try to put one in there. Yeah. But... Anything out of the ordinary, no. Especially now, I've kind of gotten to where we're, I guess we're, we've branded ourselves a little bit, so yeah. we kind of have to stay in that lane <laughs> a little bit. Um, so I don't think there's anything out of the ordinary. So no Britney Spears or nothing, right? No, <laughs> no. 
not to say that we wouldn't um, put our own spin on it, but um, no, nothing too out of the ordinary these days. We did a uh, Backstreet Boys song in my band. Yeah. Because uh, Yes Ma'am stands for middle-aged men. Uh-huh. So we did Everybody. And that's it, because I'm trying to work on the harmonies for the band. Yeah. So we did that, and I thought it was fun just to just to play it. Yeah. Because now, like I said, when you're not like where you are, where you can do your own stuff, you gotta you gotta do covers. Right. And I'm honestly, I don't like covers. I never could learn covers. It took me till probably three years ago before I could even do a cover. Mm-hmm. And I think the only Merle Haggard one I'll do is just "Bottle Let Me Down." Yeah. And that was because that was my papa's favorite Merle yeah. Haggard song. They would sing that and get drunk on a boat. Yeah. Every night. Yeah. So that's the ones I would I would. That's learn. awesome. But I, we did that, and I was like, oh, we got to come in on harmonies. We got to do a harmonies. Let's just mm-hmm. sit there. Instead of changing, like, everybody's backstreet, we do the yes man's here. Yeah. So I think that stuff is fun. Yeah. I always like to ask that because I know most uh, singers songwriters starting out, they got to do covers. So they'll change them around. Mm-hmm. And you said you had it when you started, same thing. You had a cover band. Yeah. Uh, did you do any weird songs in your cover band or just stick mainly to, like, the um, It was, uh, man, it was there were some older musicians and the guitar player who's probably still one of the top two or three musicians I've ever played with mm-hmm. was from Chicago. Okay. So he was well versed in blues okay. and, uh, a lot of that seventies rock. Um, so we, I mean, our cover band literally stretched from Alan Jackson to Doobie brothers or, <laughs> You know, just crazy Johnny Lang, or we used to do a Johnny Lang tune. I mean, it was just all over the place. Yeah, I guess it was more of a variety band. We didn't, we wouldn't be coined as any kind of genre, which made it super fun. But you know, it helped me out musically because I was listening to songs, you know, that I had no idea how to play. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that band was, it was crazy. It wasn't telling what we were going to play, you know. So yeah, we did a lot of off the wall stuff with with that group for sure great band three three four part harmonies so we did a lot of eagles and stuff like that yeah they're 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 my favorite band overall yeah um so did a lot of stuff like that so it was cool i even like when he went off and uh joe walsh on rocky mountain way still one of my favorite songs yeah and then uh glenn fry and then um i can't think why i can't think of his name don Don Henley. Henley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he did his stuff, too. Yeah. And I, I grew up on Eagles. That's the first Eagles song I remember hearing is Heartache Tonight. Mm-hmm. I love that song. They're just... Uh, <laughs> they're great. <laughs> they're, they're they're amazing. Yep. I tell people that they're not the... Uh, they're not anywhere close to being the best musicians individually. Mm-hmm. They're really good at what they did, and they're perfect together oh yeah so um as a band um i mean it just doesn't get much better than that as far as i mean top to bottom songwriting cohesiveness uh the vocals are still better than anybody that's played since and but. i'll never be able to afford to go to the concerts now so i just gotta listen to my oh no no, no 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 <laughs> i think they're charging a uh, hundred something dollars a ticket but you know what it's the eagle they're able to yeah no if they were a hundred something dollars i'd be there but um, yeah, people ask me what's one show you could you wish you could always go to. I was like Eagles. Yep. The original Eagles. But yeah, I got to see Haggard a couple of years ago right before he died. So I've seen him. Um but I tell you who I saw that was um 
right before they died. It was like one of their last concerts with Chris Ledoux. Really? Yep. He was playing cool. at uh, Wild Bills. Um, is that in Gainesville? Yeah, I'm sure you know where Wild Bills yeah, is. Yeah, I've been there. Played there. Have you? Yeah. The only time I've ever been played on Wild Bills is when they were doing the uh, Nashville Star. I don't know if you remember that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went the season that uh, Miranda Lambert was in. Yeah. So that's how long ago it was. And I got to sing on there, and I did hurt so good. I didn't get picked. But, you know, I, I went to see him there play, and he yeah. was amazing. Even then, he, when he was sick and still playing. That's he wasn't cool. all over the stage, but he was yeah. still commanded the whole stage. Yeah. Great. And I know that's where a lot of Garth Brooks gets his yep. uh Yep. Stage presence from mm-hmm. <laughs> from Chris Ledoux. Yeah. Great guy. Yeah, we played there. Uh well it's Atlanta Coliseum when I played. I don't even know if it's still open or not. But yeah. we were there with uh Low Cash and Brett Young. Okay. A couple of newer guys. So Yes, I've I've seen some pretty good bands over there myself. It's a shame that the bigger venues like that are starting to shut down. I know. Even Kennesaw, they had the Cowboys yep. sh- shut down. Saw so many people come through Cowboys. And it's just those true, I mean, you can find them in, in Texas. Um, venues of that size that are still thriving as far as honky-tonks go. But in the South, it's getting they're getting harder 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 to find that just shows you kind of in my mind where live music itself is going it's yeah. just not what it used to be it's just i know house shows pop up a lot now people are going to yeah. house shows like you like you're talking about earlier they just they don't have the the attention span they don't want to they, they don't, don't want to go out to these bars and these places and play and listen to music they'd rather sit in somebody's house or they'd rather just watch it on TV. Or then that's the streaming age and YouTube. You, you have whatever you want accessible to you at any time. So yeah. what was the point, you know, in, in going out and see, seeing a live band? I mean, you, you backtrack 25 years ago, you know, before we had any kind of streaming services. Well, if you wanted to hear a band's songs, you were going to have to go hear the band, yeah. you know, or listen to them on, in the CD player or tape player. So you think about how much uh, times have changed, and it has affected the the live music scene. But it is what it is, you know. Yeah. There's, it's not going to go in any other direction. So I know they have radio, like the, the backyard country they do and stuff. But you've been on on that, but you're actually on the radio too, right? I have been. Um, we've been on uh, backyard country, and then the uh, things called Georgia sixty for kicks one on one. They do. Okay. It's pretty much the same thing okay. on Sunday nights. Yeah, I've just co-hosted that uh, a couple months ago. Uh, debuted my first single off the new EP on there. Okay. Um, so they've been really good to me. They're both Georgia-based shows on Sunday night. And uh, then a sm- smaller market stuff, we've been on quite a bit of that. Um, but when you get to that large market, man, it is a... It's a circus. I mean, you're you've got labels that are, you know, trying to get these songs out through radio promotion. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were telling me uh, at Kicks, you know, these songs may be six months out. You know, we may be programmed in for six months. So if Sony hits us up and Joe Schmo's got a single coming out, well, that's great. But it's going to be six months before we, you know, can get him on there with X amount of dollars. I'm sure, but so radio is. It's it's pretty it's a cutthroat world for yeah. sure. Um, I've got a um, uncle that runs an AM station up in Calhoun. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he deals with me a little bit, but I always curious how people got on. I know there's like, you, you, uh, promote your stuff or you send it to like the, the bull. They got like a, a email. Uh, I didn't know about the kicks one, so I know mm-hmm. that they had that one up there. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, that's, it's just the music business. You know, a lot of people, they tell me all the time, like Thomas, it's just going to take that one song. It's going to take that one song. I said, no, I mean, in 20, $30,000 in radio promotion, you know, for that one song. Because right. you it doesn't matter how good the song is if you don't have the money to... That's true. Or a backing or a label to, you know, pay these radio promotion people to put your song out there. So you're not going to... The days of Johnny Cash singing in a can and going viral, those days are... It doesn't work like that anymore, no. you know? So... Which is where, um, luckily, the XM stuff and, um, you know, as as little as we make on Spotify and streaming services and things like that, which is unfortunate. Right. But at the same time, it does give an avenue for people that, you know, aren't those large market radio mm-hmm. people. And then they can build their a following organically. Yeah. Um, and then... You know, people come out and see their shows, and we're that's still how we make our money anyway. It's shows, merch, and shows. Yeah, merch and shows. That's why you people that were you know so big twenty, thirty years ago, they probably want to retire, but um, they're not making money off their music anymore. Nobody's buying their CDs anymore. Yeah. Nobody has CD players anymore, and they're not making any money off streaming services. And they're just sitting at home like, well, what do we do now? <laughs> you know, so they're back out playing shows again. Yeah, so. Same thing with I know Keith. He's out playing. He's he's yeah. he's got his own little label, uh, and he's got like a, a girl group, Presley and Taylor, that he he's putting stuff out for. Yeah. So a lot of them are doing are doing that. They're yeah. playing tons of shows and just trying to get helping other bands come up. And like I said, the, the ones that are nice anyway. The other yeah. ones like you're that they don't want to. But yeah, yeah. It's it's a music is a strange. It's strange right now, but yeah. it, it, I think it'll straighten itself out. I think it it it, it, it will. Um, you know, it's. You, I'm starting to hear some stuff on country radio um, that I would listen to, mm-hmm. which is saying a lot because it was so market driven for about ten years. It was the same thing yeah. being pushed down people's throats, and I think people are finally tired of that. And. Um, you know, they started branching out and trying to find other artists on YouTube. You know, you've seen people like Chris Stapleton or Cody Jinks, mm-hmm. organic country, non-radio guys like that. Tyler Childers is making yeah. a huge splash right now, a non-radio guy. And that just shows you, um, you know, that people still want to hear real country songs. Yeah. You know, there's Cody Jinks sold out the rhyming and two nights and like 20 minutes something crazy fastest since garth brooks or something like that yeah guys never been in nashville never been on the radio you know so that just shows you people still want to hear music oh yeah so so that's how you and that's people ask about success that's how you you measure success is are you enjoying what you're doing is that to forget the radio part like because it's changed completely yep. the streaming you're not gonna make much money i mean right. i think i made 14 cents so far this year yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so but it's more for letting people hear it and playing out that's where you need to get it. You write mm-hmm. your songs, play it, and have people listen to it and enjoy what you're doing. Yep. And then, like I said, it's taken you, you said, a couple of years to get where you want to go. And it, it's not, it usually doesn't happen overnight, but have you ever been approached by a label to, to join a label or anything like that? 
Um, not living down here and doing my own thing. Yeah. Um, I was uh, dipping into the Nashville scene a couple of years ago, pretty heavy. Um, kind of deciding, you know, which way that I wanted to go. And at the time, um, the songs I was writing and recording, there was no way, not to say that they, the songs were any better or worse, that doesn't even matter, but there's no way they would have been on the radio. Yeah. They were not radio songs. Now, now, with the introduction of a couple of other guys that have opened Luke Combs, yeah. for example, um, he's to me, he's kind of a bridge gapper between um, the 90s scene and the scene now. But yeah. him bridging that gap has kind of opened up, you know, doors for people like me that are the your country, country guys, yeah. you know. So uh, it's kind of that pendulum, I think, is swinging back in the right direction. Um, so, yeah, when I was, you know, up there writing and recording all the time a couple of years ago. Uh, making connections i was like there's just there's no way and i'm not gonna just totally sell out who i am just so right. i can get songs on the radio that's just not who i am i only know how to do what i do um but i think if you wait it out and you stick to what you know and um you know good things will happen so and they're starting to so that's kind of where we're at now yep we good well, you guys can't see it. He's he's in here, kind of snuggled in a chair in this chair. I'm about to, it got cold on us <laughs> today. Got, got chilly up here. I don't have a heater. We're out in the gazebo. Like I, I don't know if you know Garrett Wheeler is. He was uh, mm -hmm. you know Garrett. He, we were playing, and he came up here one night. It got so dark. We're out here playing in the dark, going by the light of the Mac. You know, so, yeah. so I'm gonna write a song called "The Light of the Mac." The way we're sitting here playing, it. I mean, it was so fun. But it got dark, and you could not see. Yeah. And so I'm eventually, like I said, I tell you, my house is over there. It's all family on i'm gonna build a studio for colder days so mm -hmm. i can bring people inside yeah <laughs> i appreciate you coming here in the cold and and bearing this cold oh yeah 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 so you got to tell people too uh i always ask tell me a funny story that has happened to you you you've been gigging and playing for a while and doing oh, more shows God. you gotta tell me a, it's one that won't get you in trouble um man i've we've got quite a few especially road stories uh, we were one I always go back to was, and he he won't mind me telling this because he's pretty open about it. But we had hired this uh, new guitar player. My I don't even remember what happened. We were going to a weekend run of shows in Chicago, and the story's kind. Of, it, I guess you had to be there, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, but we hired this new guitar player. He was a real kind of standoffish guy. And he was going to Chicago with us for the weekend. And he was rooming with my drummer. And uh, we were staying at a hotel in Indiana. And the drummer looks at him and he's like, hey, man, I got, uh, just want to let you know, you know, I served in Afghanistan. I've got PTSD, yada, yada, yada. And we're all over there like, God, this is really sad, you know. But he was like, I just want to let you know in case I wake up in the middle of the night. Now, did he really have PTSD? Did he serve? Oh, he really okay. did have PTSD. Yeah, he really did serve in Afghanistan. But <clears throat> he was like, if I wake up saying crazy stuff in the middle of the night, he's like, you just got to ignore me. And Chris, the guitar player, the standoffish guy, he's like, oh, man. He's like, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So uh, my bass player and I roomed in another room, and I wake up the next morning, and I've got like 47 missed calls. I had my phone on vibrate. 
and uh, I thought something had happened. So I go in there, and they've changed rooms. They're in a different room. And I'm like, Blake, what happened? And he starts telling this story. Long story short, and you have to hear Chris, the guitar player, tell this because he's just this old country boy from ball ground, kind of <laughs> shy, and, but great player. And uh, he's like, I started getting this tap on my foot in the middle of the night. And it was Blake. I see Blake at the end of the bed. He's like, hey, man. And he's like, uh, hey. <laughs> he said, you can imagine just waking up in the middle of the night. There's a guy standing at the end of the bed shaking right. your feet. And he said, there's a cat in the bathtub. And he's like, what? He said, there's a cat in the bathtub. And Chris was like, well, this is it. This is the PTSD kicking in. So he said, I just went back to sleep. Well, on the third time of him trying to wake him up, he's like, with a few more choice words, he's like, there's a cat in the bathtub. So they get up, and he says he gets up and goes in the bathroom, and he looks over, and there's just this big, black, balled-up cat just laying in the <laughs> bathtub. We have no idea how it got in there. Um, just to hear him tell that story was, I mean, we've had so many crazy things happen, but in that moment with those two guys in that situation, it was it was hilarious, and then they wouldn't give us a uh, a discount on the room because I was excited because I was like, we're about to get these two rooms free. Right. <laughs> and then the guy at the front desk wouldn't give us a discount, and they were having a business meeting. Some company was having – everybody's in three-piece suits, mm -hmm. and they're meeting back there. My bass player, he, he got to this point where he was tolerating everything this guy was saying, and at some point he just snapped, and he said, okay. So he turned around to the guys and he said, hey, guys, listen up. This is to the guys in the suits. And they all turned around. He's like, I just want to let y'all know they got cats in the bathtubs in here. <laughs> so the guy at the desk like, oh, no, 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 no. You get your rooms free. You get your rooms free. So, But we've got all kinds of stories like that. It's just seems like every time we go somewhere, you know, something, something happens. But they're memories. Oh, yeah. You know? They're all memories. I, I've told this before, but I, when I played at Cowboys, they had like a Colgate country showdown. I don't know if they even do that anymore. But uh, we were supposed to play there. Well, I was supposed to play, and I get there. That's the day that Cowboys caught on fire. Yeah. So I said, okay, well, obviously I can't play, so I went down to Panama City to play uh, just because my family had a good time. I almost fell off the balcony drinking too much. My guitar stopped me. It caught me. So I go to the beach to play, and then I'm just playing a beach. And I've had so much Lynchburg lemonade that – uh. I'm like, okay, I can't remember anything else. So I start coming back to the hotel room, and there's this uh, couple bringing me over. He says, hey, come play guitar for us. I said, all right. So I get over. We'll, we'll buy you drinks. So, I mean, I'm sitting there drinking Lynchburg after Lynchburg. I'm playing one song for probably two hours because I can't remember any other song. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. But I, I like I like stories like that because it's, it's fun to tell people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got to – especially when you put six guys in a van and you're driving across the – the country it's um, there's bound to be <laughs> there's bound to be some stories we went from uh i'm i'm the guy that has to drive to when i drive okay with the with the band because i just i don't i don't trust them because <laughs> <laughs> i i want to be the driver i'm that guy um so i don't even know what the cause was or what the reasoning was but we played last summer in colorado in denver and we drove, 
No, I did. I let the drummer drive because we had had a little too much fun the night before. I was like, <laughs> one of y'all going to have to drive just for a little while. So he drives four hours in the wrong direction. <laughs> totally wrong direction. I wake up from a nap. I'm like, where are we? And we're in some state because I, I go out to, you know, Colorado and Wyoming like a couple times a year. Yeah. You know, I got there and fish and visit. And I'm like, this is not right. This is nowhere near where we're supposed to be. I've been out here too many times. So, sure enough, we went in the wrong direction, so I get in the van and started driving. Long story short, we drove from Denver and dropped the drummer off in Nashville and back home nonstop. We drove 26 hours yeah, without stopping. No sleep, nothing. I've, we left Denver at 7 a.m., and I got home at, like, 10 a.m. Okay. Next day. Yeah. 10 a.m. So it was, you look back now and like, that's just the stupidest thing we could have done, you know, but. I took the family to Colorado. We drove straight to Colorado. Didn't do it. We didn't do it back. We stopped coming back, but same thing, like 24 hours or 26 yeah. hours straight up. And when you're driving through Kansas, there ain't shit in Kansas. No, this there just... is nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Because, so I, I mean, people ask about the states out west. I was like, it's Kansas. I mean, there is nothing. In, it's Kansas and uh, that eastern, southeastern part of Colorado. Yeah. It's just so desolate. Right. I mean, there's like, there's not even a power line pole, much nope. less a, a house, a a store. It's or, good for motorcycle riding, but it does pack yeah, it. Yeah, it's, um, it's a whole nother world out there, but. <clears throat> yeah, we've been out there a couple times and played, but yeah, road stories. They're they're uh, especially the ones about <clears throat> you know venues that we've played and things going wrong and or things on stage. It's uh, we were playing in Chicago one night and that was I was selling my own merch then. Didn't have a merch seller. I had my table over there and. Uh, I look over and this girl's just helping herself. She's got this huge purse and she's already shoved about six <laughs> shirts in there, hats. And I just sat my guitar down and like just jumped off this. I don't even know how high the stage was. It was six or seven feet high. And went over there and, you know, just grabbed this girl's purse and took it upon myself to kick them out of the club. Right. I and mean, it was just this <laughs> huge dramatic scene. But, you know, when the shirts are. 20 bucks a piece yeah you know they went 200 bucks she just shoved in her purse mm -hmm. so it's just stuff like that so many stories on the on the road crazy stuff yeah people think those their shirts are cheap they're not cheap no they're not they're, cheap. Not, they're cheap. not cheap i found that out making shirts for the band i just wanted like a, a little imprint or something on there it's like damn like is it 20 bucks yeah like, now I, I can't stay on for 40 nobody's gonna buy a shirt for 40 right. bucks for me so right i think the the best thing that sells is like mugs Mm -hmm. And but you have like like no resale much resale like maybe a dollar you'll make a dollar off each mug mm -hmm. if you want. Yeah, to we did uh, we did mason jars one time. They sold out the first show. Now nice mason jars. Um, but like you said, they're the cost of them are are so expensive. We didn't make much money off of them, and they're super hard to transport. <laughs> so I mean, they're glass, so yeah. it was hard for them not to break. But and you don't want to put shine in it and carry it with you. Though, no, you? no, people probably <laughs> bring their own, but. Um. Yeah. All kinds of stories. Well, I'm glad you came out here, Thomas. I know it's getting cold, so I mean, I ain't gonna make you stay much longer. But I ask every guest. I'm gonna ask you too. Do you have a hidden talent? 
Um. Hmm. Good question. No, I don't think so. I'm a big fisherman. Um, I wouldn't say that's like a, but people know that they say that on my Instagram. Yeah. Um. Geez, that's a great question. I love to cook. Okay. Not too many people know that. Um, you can tell I love to eat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but other than that, nothing probably. You get to the point when people like start working with you, they're like, people want to know who you are, Thomas. They want to see who you are. So you're used to putting yourself out there. Yeah. Kind of. So everybody kind of already knows everything. You're like, oh, they already know everything. But um, no. No. I don't think so. Always as lame as as lame as an answer <laughs> as that is, no, I don't think so. See, now I always ask the same people, like when I have like a, a married couple here, they can't lie, or if they do, oh, like, wait yeah. a minute, no, wait a minute, you wait, you can do that, you can you can make noise. Like I'll do like Elvis impersonations or Elmo impersonations when I sing, like karaoke. My mom loves my Elvis, so I have to do Elvis every time I do it. And when I was a kid, I used to sing Elvis, and then yeah. my voice changed, and it was like, it's like okay, <laughs> I couldn't do it anymore. But I still would love to do like American Trilogy. I can, mm-hmm. I can keep the get the voice going from American Trilogy. So I do that. That's um, hilarious. And then my little girl, she's got like a little stuffed animals. I got to make them talk in different voices. Mm-hmm. So I got to do like all kinds of weird voices. And I do like this uh, debutante, this Southern Belle debutante. Yeah. That my wife hates when I do that voice. She goes, you got to stop. That's hilarious. <laughs> Have you ever seen the movie The Toy? Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, you have to watch that movie one day if you get a chance. It's, uh, it's an 80s movie with Richard Pryor. And there's this lady in there named Fancy, and she's got like a southern, this the southern belle type accent right. that you would think. And so I do that voice, and that's what it sounds like, and it freaks her out when I do it. She said, "You you got to stop. <laughs> you can't be doing that." So I like making voices for her. That's me. hilarious. <laughs> that's awesome. So and I'll, I'll do that stuff. That's what I do. Most people heard that for me. Yeah. So I always yeah. like to ask again. I mean, stuff like that's kind of second nature. We're always doing stuff like that in the band. I mean, you get. Musicians are, they're weird people. Oh, yes. They're weird people. So <laughs> when you get six weird guys together, you know, this it's, it's a lot of big personalities mm-hmm. together in, in one place. So it can, it's, it's funny is what it is. Oh, it's yeah. a big, it's a fun time. Cause like you, you said, you're having, you're having fun. Yeah. There's a lot of different personalities all, and you know, a lot of them are, have really bright minds. You know, they've got musical, artistic, bright, clever minds. So when you get, people like that together there's no telling what's gonna happen so yeah you got people doing voices and i mean we've done miles and i have done how many people know this at all we've done so many like awful just (laughs) terrible rewrites to all of my songs so which we'll probably bring out if we could if the crowd got right but Uh um miles is infamous for for making dirty rewrites to, to, <laughs> to so many songs. So here comes my son with a dog. That's Gibson. Son with a big dog. And Buddy's a dog and Gibson's a boy. <laughs> He's named after my guitar. Hey Buddy. All right, big boy. You had your you had your time. Go 15 ahead. minutes of fame. Right. Go on, buddy. Go. <laughs> Come on. Go on. Go on. <laughs> There's people ask why I don't do like a video of it. This is why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't mind them coming in, but you'll hear them on the background walking through the woods. Yeah. And, but I like doing it out here too because like, it's all family-owned land. And uh, they got a, my mom's pool over there. I want to drain it. 
and I want to do. You ever heard of? Um, what is it like like stage it? It's like um, mm-hmm. like house show stuff. Mm-hmm. I want to do like concerts like the old nineties in the pool. Oh, that'd I want to cool. drain. I'm gonna build a stage. Yeah, and then have like bring a band up there to play, and then have them stream it. You know, and they get the money from their part. Right. My band come in and we'll stream it and right. take the money from that part. They do a tip jar thing now on Facebook too. I saw the other day, which is pretty cool. Oh, do they? Yeah, you just link it to your PayPal account or your Venmo, and okay. people just come on there and they tip as you go and just put in whatever they want to. So it's basically the same idea. But okay. I know, I know they have Venmo. I'm just mm-hmm. now catching up on all this stuff. Like yeah. I said, I'm, I'm a middle-aged man for a reason. It takes yeah. me a while to yeah. learn all this stuff. Yeah, PayPal's great. I use it all the time. Well, like I said, I know it's getting cold. I'll let you head out. So tell everybody right. again, so, Thomas, where they can find you at. Um, you can find me on, uh, I got a website. It's thomasfountain.com. Um, and then, of course, I'm on Facebook, Thomas Fountain Music, Instagram, Twitter. Um, got a show coming up this weekend in Atlanta. Singer songwriter show, which I don't get to play those very much, which is also my favorite. So you'll get to come hear the stories behind the songs, how I wrote them. Um, new music, new merch. Be good to be back home. Just came back from Charlotte last weekend, so ready to be back home again. Back home. Yep, back home. And then find you like on Instagram. You get the websites. Yep, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Got the website, um, music's on website. Uh, we're on YouTube too. There's some music videos and stuff on there. Got okay. um, some new ones coming out. We just shot a music video a couple months, uh, September maybe, September, October. Did it at the old jail in Jasper okay. inside. So that was really cool. Um, that one's on YouTube. So yeah, go check us out. Well, I thank you again, Thomas, for coming Absolutely. on here and thank braving so the much. cold today. Like yep. I said, came yesterday, it'd been warmer. <laughs> <laughs> I did buy that. Was Thomas Fountain? This was George Songbirds. Nacy loves a prison, a big old ball of chains. Life in a slammer with a nine pound hammer Just a busting rocks all day I don't mind, no, I don't mind Doing my time with you They can lock the door, throw away the key Treat me like a killer, I lay on a pillar Every night with you next to me I don't mind Wild red hair doing everything but making bail. I 